welcome to the New Mexico News Podcast, headlines and stories from the land of enchantment. Brought to you by KRQE. Here's Chris McKee and Gabrielle Burkhart. Just over a week ago on May 16th, the Herbert's Peak Calf Canyon fire officially became the largest wildfire in New Mexico's history. It's now burned more than 311,000 acres and it's around 40% contained. The size of this fire surpasses what used to be the state's largest wildfire on record. That was the Whitewater Baldy Fire from 2012. That burned through more than 297,000 acres of land in southwest New Mexico, across Catron County and the Gila National Forest. If you've been following any of the local news here in New Mexico, you've probably seen that hundreds of families have been displaced by these wildfires and hundreds of homes lost. So sad. It'll never be the same. Take for a long time, generations. Grew up back here. Now it's destroyed. Just from a simple flame. What did it used to look like? It's beautiful, luscious. Animals would be in here. You see deers everywhere. Now who knows where they're at. This was their home too. This was their home. Not no more. Now it's ash. New Mexico saw an early wildfire season sparking in mid-April. This one that we're talking about today, the Hermit's Peak Fire, started on April 6th, 2022, after the Las Dispensas prescribed burn on the Pecos Las Vegas Ranger District of the Santa Fe National Forest got out of control. It's something the district ranger acknowledged and apologized for at the start of the meeting. Our prescribed burn from last Wednesday was the cause of the Hermit's Peak Fire. With that said, um, we take full responsibility and with a heavy heart, we are really sorry for what happened. Now, Romero said their forecast said they had favorable conditions. However, the officials say unexpected winds caused spot fires and the fire to spread quickly outside of the prescribed burn boundary. Nearby, the Calf Canyon fire started in Gallinas Canyon in the Santa Fe National Forest. The cause of that fire is still under investigation. But as that fire continued burning on April 22nd, winds played a huge factor. That day, Calf Canyon combined with Hermit's Peak and the complex fire has been burning more than a month now. Several New Mexico communities have ping-ponged back and forth with evacuations across four counties. According to the latest stats from FEMA, the Hermit's Peak Calf Canyon fire has now destroyed at least 358 homes and damaged 18 others. At this point, more than 16,000 homes are still considered threatened and nearly 5,000 people remain under mandatory evacuations. Many of those evacuees are New Mexico's own ranching community. With us on the line today is Lydia Kyle. She's a fourth generation cattle rancher in northern New Mexico with her husband and three children. Lydia, thanks so much for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me, you guys. First, tell us a little bit about your family's ranch. You mentioned, you know, you're not quite the owners of the ranch, but ranch managers. Where is it in New Mexico? What kind of ranch is it? Yeah. So, um, like you said, I'm a fourth generation cattle rancher. Um, originally I am from Southern Oregon and Northern California, and that's where I kind of got my start in life and in agriculture. However, three and a half years ago, we were hired to begin managing a cattle ranch in Northern New Mexico, outside of Las Vegas, in one of those areas that has since been evacuated due to the Calf Canyon fire. 
we have, like I said, we've been here for three and a half years. We've made it our home. Um, 90% of the time, we are the only ones on the property. And even though we may not be the ones who own it outright, we treat it like we own it. And it is our home. And it's a cattle ranch, you said. Yes. So we have cattle, we have horses. We also do a little bit of timber farming on the property, just to give you an idea of the geography of where we are. We're up at the high elevations, lots of pinon pine, some ponderosa, um, and definitely a high desert environment. What drew you to Northern New Mexico and sort of wildfire aside, you know, what do you tell people about the land, the ranch and your family that lives on it? It sounds like with you. I think one of the most intriguing things about New Mexico in general is just the diversity of it. I mean, you think about you've got New Mexico down south, dry, you know, hot. It's, you know, you have ranchers down there as well, but the circumstances that they deal with on an annual basis are very different than what we deal with in northern New Mexico. It's just such an incredibly diverse landscape, um, especially when it comes to agriculture. Um, And I think a lot of people don't know that. They think of New Mexico and they just think of hot, dry desert and some cactus, right? They don't think about those of us who are living at 7,000, 8,000 feet elevation up in those Ponderosa Pines. Um, They don't think about the people who are massive watermelon farmers um, in different areas of our state. They don't think about the dairy farmers. It's just incredibly diverse. When I tell people about northern New Mexico, me being from the West Coast and the high desert of the West Coast, I do compare it to that high desert climate. We are up in the trees. We do have those timber elements, but we are still dry. We are still experiencing drought, just like the rest of the country is at this time. And we're still up against things, even without wildfires of, are we going to have enough feed for summer? Are we going to have enough water to keep our tanks full? Um, I remember in 2020 for us as a family, it was really my first experience with coming up against a hard drought of having to choose. Um, it, It seems meaningless but when you're in it it's kind of surreal having to choose you know when can i water my lawn or do i water my lawn at all how many people get to take a shower this day um you know how many loads of laundry can i do without running the tank too low or overheating the pump you know those are things that even at those higher elevations in new mexico we're still coming up against those issues and then you have a 300,000 acre wildfire that rips through the area It changes everything again. Yeah. So when did you realize that the fire was inching closer to your property and and were you told to evacuate before you guys finally got out? It was incredibly, um, again, I'm going to use the word surreal because that's still how it feels to me. You know, this is you always know that you're going to experience crisis at some point in your life, but you never know what the crisis is. I'm not quite sure that I would have chosen this one for myself. Um, However, it was it was April 29th when we evacuated. And what happened for us, we watched the Hermit's Peak fire start. I I actually remember it starting as a prescribed burn. I saw the very small plume go up from my kitchen window. That's kind of where we're situated. I just had a really good vantage point for it. I called a neighbor whose husband is a volunteer firefighter. And I said, hey, I see smoke over by Hermit's Peak. What is that? And she said, oh, it's a prescribed burn. No big deal. And I remembered thinking to myself, what a weird day to have a prescribed burn. 
Like we have high winds, it's dry, like why are, but okay, it's a prescribed burn. And I remember less than 30 minutes later, she texted me back and she said, it's not a prescribed burn anymore. They just classified it as a wildfire. And in that moment, we kind of went, oh, okay, like, yeah, that's kind of what you get when you set a fire on these conditions. But again, it was still, you know, nine miles away from us and it was going the other direction. And for a solid three weeks, it went the other direction. You know, that fire went over into the communities of Pandaray, Manuelita, Sapeo, all of that, but was going the opposite direction of us. And so we just watched it. And that's a horrible feeling because you're half glad that it's going the other direction, but you also know the devastation that's happening on the other side. And you kind of have to balance that out. That's a lot of emotions. So on April 29th, what happened was uh, that Calf Canyon fire started to grow um, in an area that we call Johnson Mesa. And we could see it again from our house and the way that the wind was blowing. We knew that it was blowing towards us, but it still felt far enough away that my husband called me and said, hey, go ahead and come home. I was in town at the time. Our children were at daycare. He said, go ahead and come home and pack up just the essentials because if this moves really fast, we could get evacuated, but it's still a ways away. And I remember thinking, okay, that's kind of scary, but there's something about your survival mechanism in your brain that tells you that's not going to happen. That's not going to happen. That's not going to happen. And you almost have to override that to make sure that you're doing your due diligence evacuating a ranch cannot be sort of an easy deal or a small deal by any means, I I imagine. Uh, What kinds of things do you take with you? Were you able to get horses and cattle out safely? And maybe where did they go? Yeah. So when I started, you know, essentially I just went through our house and I asked myself, what am I going to miss? You know, if, if the, if this travesty happens, what am I going to miss? Grabbed a few family heirlooms. We had all of our essential documents, birth certificates, passports, um, insurance documents, you know, for us who own livestock, we have registration papers on those livestock. So I grabbed all those essential documents that we had in the firebox, grabbed those family heirlooms. My husband went and gathered all of our horses into a central location. And that's and then we sat and we watched. Um, It was really strange. We put the kids to bed like normal. And I remember we were standing there. The sun had gone down. We were watching the glow kind of over the mountain and just thinking like, wow, that's crazy. Like so bright, you know, not giving it a whole lot of um, credit. And it was so bizarre. Within three seconds, we watched the flames come over the mountain and we were seeing 300 foot flames from our house. Wow. And I looked at my husband and I said, we're out like me and the kids are out. So we loaded up the things that we needed to and we did get the horses out. And all of this is happening after dark. Um, So obviously there's added adrenaline. Um, I'm sure it was my children are small. And so small children process emergency very differently. However, they have, you know, they're still talking about it. They saw flames. They knew where they were coming from. It was scary. We did get the horses out. Um, we chose to leave the cattle behind at that time simply because we had some areas of the ranch 
that were fairly fortified, meaning that they had a lot of grassland around them. And typically when those fires hit grass, it's defensible space. And also it doesn't burn very hot. It might burn fast, but it doesn't burn very hot. And so we just had to kind of make a decision because it was happening so quickly. Also, in our experience, horses tend to be a lot more excitable than cattle. Cattle's survival uh, mechanisms are just, it, it's almost offensive how much they don't care. <laughs> Through this entire experience, they just don't care. As to where horses tend to be the ones that get a little bit panicky. So we chose to bring the horses out. Um, as of right now, we are still evacuated. We have not taken the horses back. The cattle have remained. Um, again, there was a lot of burning and back burning on the ranch. However, we just moved cattle to various areas, kept them watered, kept them fed. Uh, my husband was in contact with the livestock board during all of this. They allowed him to go back and feed those cattle uh, because that is, quote unquote, official business. So, yeah, we understand the New Mexico Department of Agriculture is focused on, you know, helping farmers across the state, some of which are seeing, you know, their hard earned properties just decimated by these wildfires. Do you know how your property is doing so far? Yes. So all of our structures are still standing, which, in my opinion, is an incredible uh, godsend. I don't know how it's possible. The Forest Service and the hotshot crews did an amazing job protecting our structures. They did do a lot of backburning on our ranch. So even the spaces that didn't have the actual wildfire on it are pretty crispy just because of those backburns. A lot of our northern area, especially the high timber areas, burned and it got within about quarter mile of my house personally. Do you know any neighbors or, or friends in the area who have lost parts of their property or all of their property? Yes, there are a lot of people who were just up the highway from us that were in those higher elevation, higher timber areas that, yes, it's gone. It's all gone within a matter of hours. Wow. And I also understand, you know, the ranching community is helping one another in some cases, offering up their land a shelter. And what can you tell us about what you've seen or experienced about just how the ranching community has communicated with one another or helping each other? Absolutely. I mean, uh, there have been just so many people that have reached out to us personally. Obviously, we're still evacuated at this time. We're staying on a different ranch, um, just, you know, kind of down the road in one of the areas. We have had so many people reach out to us uh, individually as a family. There have been different organizations that have been sending in feed. There have been people that have just I mean, put thousands of miles on their vehicles, hauling animals in and out. I know for us, we were mentally prepared to evacuate, I guess, to a certain extent. But when it happened, we realized we're going to have to make two trips to get all of these horses out. And when you're sitting there watching the flames come down half the mountain in 20 minutes, you're starting to realize I don't have time to make two trips. And so we called neighbors who were at the bottom of the hill, you know, that's what we call it, the hill, um, who had a trailer hooked up already. They were up there within, you know, 30 minutes. We loaded the extra horses in their trailer and we took them there for the night. Uh, we are currently still evacuated, but there is a ranch that our friends 
um, probably our closest friends since we've moved here, they run a ranch uh, over in a different county. They have an empty, uh, we call them cow camps. So essentially just a small camp area with a house and a barn. We've essentially moved in there and they have just, you know, said we can stay for as long as we need to. As of right now, our area technically has the mandatory evacuations lifted and they put us back into that set stage which essentially means you can go home but you might have to leave at any given moment uh which is what happened to a lot of people in Pandaray, if i understand it correctly so we were kind of up in the air about whether we wanted to go back and then my husband just went back to feed cattle yesterday and did some investigating on the property and the power lines that supply not only our main ranch headquarters but also our house were burned down completely so we still have no power even though we could technically go home so we're still evacuated until the electric corporation can come out and essentially build new power line, which I can't even imagine how backlogged they are because of everything that's going on in our counties. My goodness. So for those people, you know, in New Mexico and elsewhere who maybe don't know a rancher directly, can you just explain for us, like, how crucial is the ranching community here in New Mexico and the agricultural industry here? Well, the agricultural community in New Mexico is a lot bigger than people think. And like I mentioned at the beginning of this, it's not just cattle ranchers. You know, a lot of times when we think about ranching, we we just think about, you know, the the Western heritage, you know, the the Marble Man, essentially. And while that's well and good, there's so much more to the agricultural community. You have dairy farmers, you have produce farmers, you have um, those who are in livestock as far as goats and sheep. There's just such a diverse array when it comes to agriculture and livestock management in New Mexico that our community, I think, is grossly misrepresented and underrepresented. There were a lot of ranches that were threatened, not by the Calf Canyon and Hermit's Peak fire, but the fire that started up in Okate. There were a lot of family ranches, large operations that are supplying food to the food chain that were threatened by that fire. And again, that's another fire that started in April. April is not fire season. Right. That was the Cook's Peak fire, I believe. Right. right yes. In that Thank area. you so much. It slipped my mind. I've, I've, I'm kind of inundated with it all now. I, I wanted to ask you about wildfire in general. You know, I, I, I look at this broadly from talking to you and talking to a lot of other people over the years, you know, you meet some people who are like, we expect it that there's always a risk living in, you know, these wild areas or these uh, less developed areas. So we understand the risk. There's some people who say, you know, there's climate change out there and that's also a risk. There's other people as well who've, who've rightfully brought up the fact that the Forest Service did this prescribed burn and that's what got the Hermit Peak fire started. And so I, I guess with all of those, and I'm sure there's other considerations to keep in mind as well, but I wanted to just ask you, I mean, how are you feeling at this point? I think I've literally gone through all the stages of grief um, and and coming from the West Coast and growing up in Oregon and Southern California, wildfire is not something new to me. Like the concept of hundreds of thousands of acres just incinerating is not new to me. However, 
And, and I do think that it is worth noting. I think that we do we do have to respect the process here in noting that the Hermit's Peak fire is the fire that was first started and it started from a prescribed burn. The Calf Canyon fire is, quote unquote, under investigation. And I've been very careful to emphasize that on my social media platforms because I do not I don't want my view to be misconstrued even though I'm living this and I am a little bit upset uh, and I am currently living in crisis with three small children in tow. It's not easy. It takes a toll on you. However, they were two separate fires. The calf Canyon fire, regardless of anyone's opinion is still under investigation. That being said, knowing that there was someone who said it's okay to go ahead and light this fire. We're in the middle of a historic drought. We have gusts up to 40 miles an hour. We are in an area where the timber is so dry, it is actually drier than cured lumber. Just to put that in perspective for people who are like, I mean, I don't understand how a tree goes up in flames that quickly. The trees in the national forest right now are so dry that their percentage moisture is less than the cured lumber that you would pick up at Home Depot. That's how dry they are. So knowing that there was someone in an office somewhere that said it was okay to light that fire, that it was in the parameters to go ahead and do it. It does make you angry. I am willing to sit back and watch due process happen. However, I think that there needs to be at least some form of acknowledgement that a severe mistake was made. And that still has not happened. Going forward, what is your hope for eventually returning home and honestly just you know what's your hope for new mexico's ability to recover from these wildfires i'm choosing to focus on some of the upsides to this and i know that's incredible that can feel incredibly insensitive knowing the sheer amount of loss that has happened uh however i know for us personally our pastures that burned and our timber areas that burned, if we do get some rain, they're going to come back beautifully. Those historic stands of Ponderosa probably will never come back. It will never look the same. And that is something that we are all going to have to reckon with. It will never look the same. However, for us as agriculturists, we do know the power of burning we do know the power of putting those nutrients from ash into the soil, and we know the effects that it can have on the landscape. So for us personally on the ranch, we have a lot of cleanup to do. It's not going to ever look the same. A lot of the beauty has been lost. However, as cliche as it might sound, there will be beauty from the ashes in this. Moving forward, as far as New Mexicans as a whole, the Las Vegas community and potentially even the Taos community in those areas, because I mean, good grief, this monster spans 456 miles as of this morning. That's a lot of area. 
So while I'm connected to the Las Vegas community, there are other communities that are way farther than us that are going to be impacted as well. I think we're going to have to reevaluate the way we prepare for these natural disasters. I think in a lot of ways we felt untouchable. We don't have earthquakes. We don't have hurricanes. We don't ha- we don't have these things. And yet here we are up against the largest fire in the United States and the largest fire in New Mexico state history. I think we have to rethink our forest management. We have to rethink the way that we protect our own private property. And we also have to rethink just how we go about our everyday lives, knowing that at any given moment, a spark can turn into complete devastation. Lydia, is there anything else that we didn't ask you that you want to talk about or want people to know? I just want to say thank you to you guys for taking the time to reach out to me. Uh, Also, thank you to uh, the people in our community who have just stepped up to the plate. I can't even begin to list all of them. But again, as cliche as it sounds, there's beauty from the ashes. And we have just really seen our community step up. We have seen neighboring communities from Texas and Oklahoma and Utah and Arizona really step up. And thank you to the firefighters who are fighting this thing local community volunteer firefighters and those who are coming in from out of state uh, that are part of hotshot crews and part of federal firefighters. Just thank you for defending what you can. Thanks again to Lydia Kyle for taking the time to talk with us today and share her experience. Certainly many New Mexicans are going through the same thing right now, just waiting to see when they can return home. Also, three of New Mexico's national forests announced closure to the public, effective 8 a.m. Thursday, May 19th, due to extreme fire danger, according to forest officials. Santa Fe National Forest, the Cibola National Forest, and the Carson National Forest will go into stage three restrictions that prohibits anyone from going into or being on those restricted areas. FEMA also continues its presence in New Mexico. Notably, they are working while the fires have not been put out. Usually you see FEMA respond once the immediate disaster has been dealt with. But in this case, they're getting kind of an early jump in here. As of Tuesday, it'll be about three weeks that they've been on the ground. And so far, we do know that as of last week, more than 400 New Mexicans that have been approved for disaster assistance totaling assistance worth more than half a million dollars. Uh, FEMA is telling people to apply on disasterassistance.gov. We'll have links to that on krqe.com in the post here and then also in the show notes. But uh, one thing to note is that what FEMA is saying is that your insurance is the first place that you should go if you have insurance for your property. Then also, of course, apply with FEMA to get any of that aid that may be out there from the federal government. If you're looking to send us a story idea, please do so. I'm at chris.mckee at krqe.com. You can also tweet at me. I'm at chrismckeetv. We welcome all of your questions, comments, suggestions, and whatnot. Yeah, and I'm gabrielle.burkhart at krqe.com via email and gburknm on social media. Thank you for listening. Thank you.